Well, we've turned the page on another year. And uh, one thing about 2016 most of us are glad to put behind us is the election. And politicians who are constantly exalting themselves. You know, some are still bragging about what they've done and others about what they're going to do. But at least there's no longer a need for anyone to convince us to vote for them. At least not for now. Now, we do know that it will soon start again and we actually expect politicians to exalt themselves. But they're not the only ones to do so. In fact, most of us have been convinced that if we don't exalt ourselves, who will? How quickly we've forgotten the words and the example of Jesus. In Matthew 23, verse 12, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Peter reinforced that when he wrote, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. I trust we want to believe that. We know that we ought to humble ourselves. And that if we do, God will exalt us at the proper time. But it's hard to be humble. And we've been taught that if you really want something, you've got to go for it. And if we want the respect of others, we've got to let it be known that we deserve it. But obviously, Jesus didn't do that. Last week, we saw him humble himself. We saw the almighty creator God empty himself of his divine rights and privileges and take on the form of a serpent, of a servant. I'm sorry. We saw God become a man. And then we saw that man humble himself To the point of death, even death on a cross. Well, this week, we see him exalted because he was willing to be humbled. Therefore, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he was willing to give up his rights and put others above himself, Jesus was exalted by God. Again, Therefore, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Now, when a sentence begins with therefore, we have to ask ourselves, 
ask ourselves, what's it there for? All right, all right. Well, obviously what Paul had to say in verse 9 is related to what he said in verse And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God exalted Jesus because he was willing to humble himself. And exalt him, he did. Paul uses a word here that is found nowhere else in Scripture. A word that we've translated highly exalted. It's actually just one word. A word that could probably be better translated super exalted. Now, when Marilyn was typing this in, the computer kept saying, that's not a word, that's not a word. But it is a word. It is a word. God super exalted Jesus. He raised him to the highest of heights. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're told that God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And in Ephesians 4, Paul said Jesus ascended far above all the heavens. Jesus has been super exalted because he was willing to be super humiliated. It was his death on the cross that made his super exaltation possible. For Jesus not only returned to heaven at the ascension to resume the glory he had before he came to earth, he returned with more glory. He now had the glory of triumph over sin and suffering and death. And to super exalt him, God gave to his son the name which is above Every name. A name even above God's own name. And what is that name? Well, some would suggest it's the name Jesus. But as we noted, Jesus was given that name before birth. The angel told Mary his name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. Jesus means Savior. Now, it's a wonderful name, but it's not the name above every name. Jesus is actually the Greek for the Hebrew Joshua. It was a very common name before Jesus' time, during Jesus' time, and after Jesus' time. You go to Mexico, and you'll find more than one Jesus, Jesus, in every village. No, The name Jesus is not the name above every name. It's not the name that was given to Jesus as his exaltation. So what is it? What is the name that's above every name? Actually, it may be a name that no one knows. In Revelation 19.12, It said that Jesus has written upon himself a name which no one knows. And that may be the name above all names. Or 
The name above all names may be the name that's written on the robe and the thigh of the Word of God as pictured in Revelation 19.16. King of kings and Lord of lords. It sounds like a name or at least a title that's above all names. How do you get higher than King of kings and Lord of lords? Whatever it is, it was given to Jesus. And because of that, the name of Jesus will be acknowledged by every knee. Paul says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. A literary critic once said, If Shakespeare were to enter a room, all would stand to their feet. If Christ were to enter a room, all would bow. Indeed, all would bow. Some would bow out of love and respect. Others would bow out of fear. But all would bow. And the should that's used here is more than an ought. Paul is not saying all ought to bow. He's saying all will bow. Every knee will bow. Those in heaven, the elders, the creatures, the seraphim, the angelic hosts, the departed saints, will all bow at the name of Jesus. I don't think it's heretical to even suggest the Father will bow to honor the Son. Every knee in heaven will bow. As will every knee on earth. When the trumpet sounds and the name of Jesus resounds from heaven, every knee on earth will bow. No one will be too high and mighty to fall on his knees before the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Every man, woman, and child on earth when Christ returns will bow before Him. Some will reverence Him as Savior. Others will reverence Him as Judge. But all will bow before Him. Even those under The earth will bow. The demons and hosts of hell will acknowledge the triumphant Christ by bowing before Him. The prince of darkness, Satan himself, will bow before his conqueror. Those condemned to the fires of hell because of the refusal to acknowledge His Lordship while on earth will bow before the Lord at their condemnation. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And every tongue will confess Him as Lord. Paul writes, and that every tongue should, will, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord 
However, that is not universal salvation. Paul's not saying that everyone will confess Jesus as Lord of their life. He's simply saying all will confess the fact that Jesus is Lord. No one will be able to deny the fact that Jesus is Lord. Some will have indeed confessed Him as their Lord and be saved by that confession. As we read in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If belief in Christ has resulted in righteousness, has resulted in you receiving the righteousness of Christ and reflecting that righteousness in the life that you live, then confession of Christ will result in salvation. But to simply confess what no man will be able to deny is to acknowledge your own condemnation. The bottom line is that everyone will confess Jesus is Lord. Some to their salvation and others to their condemnation, but all will confess Him. And either way, God will be glorified. He'll be glorified as loving Savior or righteous judge but he will be glorified by every man. You know, you read the statistics. Today, we're, we're told that an ever-increasing percentage of Americans are walking away from the church. And they mark their preference as none. Sometimes that's a rebellion against the organized church. There's also a statement against the head of the church, Christ himself. There seems to be an opinion in our society that if you ignore Christ, you can make it fine without him. That's not true. Everyone, everyone will Confess Jesus as Lord. The question isn't whether you will confess Christ, but when will you confess Him? The question isn't whether or not we will bow before Him, it's when will we bow before Him. We can do it now, or we can do it later but we will do it. If we humble ourselves before Him now, He will exalt us forever. If we wait until we're forced to bow before Him, it'll be too late. Too late. We begin a new year 
It's time to ask ourselves again, have we responded to the name above every name? You know, you're here in church. It's a good first step. And I pray that your presence indicates that you have indeed bowed before the King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray that church isn't just a social response, expectation of good citizenship and personhood, but it's an act of worship. You know, we don't have kneelers in our church. We don't practice getting down on our knees. I remember being in a circle of preachers years ago. I was young then. And he insisted everybody get on their knees. And the longer I was on my knees, the more I thought about my knees. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about the Lord. I was thinking about pain and how am I going to get up? So we may not practice physical bowing in worship, but I pray that you're bowing in your hearts before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what worship is. I pray you've bowed before him and continue to bow before him. And I pray that you've confessed him. Now, we give you an opportunity to publicly confess your faith in Christ, a simple confession. A confession that, that brought from Christ a very positive response when Peter confessed him. If you've not made public your faith, if you've not confessed him before men, this is an opportunity to do so. But confessing Jesus as Lord in Chatham Christian Church is not the end of confessing him. I pray wherever you are this year, you'll confess him. You'll not be obnoxious. You'll not look down your nose at others. But you'll confess your faith in Christ. By the way you live, by the way you talk, and by actually acknowledging that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's confess him. Let's confess our faith in him regularly. If we sum that all up, we come to my favorite commitment hymn, Have You Surrendered Your All to Him? Have you surrendered to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Today is the beginning of a new year, and obviously if you have not surrendered to His Lordship, now is the time to do it.